0: I am your host, Stuart Deming, and today's episode is brought to you by Explore Tours. If you want to learn about the city of Nashville, come take a walking tour with us. We have the Downtown Nashville History Walking Tour. This is a two-hour long tour that takes place throughout downtown. We learn about the history of how Tennessee was formed and where it is going today. Uh, You can go over to ExploreTours.com to book your ticket today. Use code ND10 to take 10% off your order. We hope that you enjoyed the day trip series. We went all out throughout the state of Tennessee from Sevierville to Chattanooga even up the road to Bowling Green, Kentucky. So we hope that you enjoyed that day trip series. We are getting back into the swing of regular episodes as of today. And joining me in studio is Mayor Oral candidate Jeff Yarborough. You're also a senator for the state of Tennessee. Jeff, good morning. And how are you? Morning. I'm doing great, sir. Uh, so, Jeff, how are you feeling? We're about a week, in, a week and two days away from the That's election.
1: Right. Uh, so how are you feeling right now for this, this election? I'm feeling great. I mean, this is uh, the fun part of campaigns if you like this kind of work because you you can feel people in the city starting to really pay attention to this and not just pay attention to what campaign they enjoy following but trying to decide who's going to be the mayor that I trust to lead the city for the next four years. And there's a lot of good candidates, and, and it's really fun to be out moving from one end of the county to the other for 12 hours, 14 hours a day, trying to convince them to to, 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 to vote along the way. So, are, are you, like right now in the
0: campaign trail, are you going door to door, or is it more still meetings because there's no more forums
1: or anything, right? So there's no more forums, so we're doing a little bit of everything. So okay. it's not unusual for me to spend a couple hours knocking on doors. Already this morning we were out talking to uh, you know our waste services department, having events through 7 or 9, I think from 7 to 9 o'clock tonight. And so there's just events every day. Then when we have downtime, we're usually sitting outside of a polling location, you know, holding signs and waving voters as they're coming in to make their decisions. And some folks are making up their minds right there at the the polling locations before they vote. But we feel great about where the race is. I mean, I think a poll came out yesterday sort of showing us – Effectively tied in that for, for in that second place position, which in a in 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 the in the goal to get into the 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 runoff, that's exactly where we want to be, and we can feel the momentum heading our way.
0: Yeah. So if you wanted to see that poll, uh, the Tennesseean quotes the poll. Uh, they did a good job going through the demographics and everything of that poll. I think the poll was of, uh, conducted from 500
1: people, I believe. I believe that's right. Yeah. So it, it but, seems like a
0: smaller poll compared to some other polls, but.
1: I, I, mean, I think that's actually sort of the normal. I don't know. I think that's the standard size. But look, I mean, the only poll that matters is the poll, you know, that they the, the cast on Election Day. Yeah. You know, this it's not – I mean, people talk about donors. People watch, like, the Twitter debate. People watch these polls. What really matters is how many votes are going to get cast on Election Day. And we feel good in the fact that, you know, we – I've been representing – know, over 200,000 people in the county for the last nine years in the Senate. I think people know who I am. They know what I'm about. They know that I'm not going to BS them about how things are going. And I think that, uh, people are going to revert to, you know, someone they trust and they know has the experience to do the job. So let's talk into that for a second. So nine years ago, you ran for Senator for, uh, which part or district? Well, so the district that I – They changed, yeah, the yeah. I mean, they change every once in a while. But the district that I had for the first eight years, I, it included portions of 24 of Nashville's 35 council districts. Okay. So it started way up in Madison and went All the way down to, like, Belmont and Oak Hill. Well, went through Englewood, East Nashville, okay. across the river, to yep. Priest Lake, Cane Ridge, Nolensville Pike, Vanderbilt, Belmont. Yep over into hillwood okay every yeah that's that's a a large district so what was like campaign i I assume it's
0: completely different uh campaigning for a senator position than a mayoral position first off you have way less people running uh i would assume usually uh so what's the difference between the two campaigns that you've noticed
1: uh, well there's there's a few big differences i mean one is that the, the senate job is a partisan job and so you're always in a in Democratic primary or in a general election where it's a Democrat versus a Republican whereas this is nonpartisan it's really just about how how the city's gonna move forward I think the bigger difference is a lot of times when you tell somebody you're running for the state Senate you gotta sort of walk through what it is yeah. the state Senate does compared to the rest to you know what what's happening in Washington or in the city but when you tell somebody you're running for mayor they like they just bring their problems to you yeah, right? yeah. like I've mean, I had somebody who's like you know uh, you're running for mayor. well there's this pe- there's people that live next door to me and i need them to, out of the house and or like, or well, this or there's this pothole that <laughs> there's needs to be fixed there's a pothole there's something on <laughs> this corner there you know yeah. what are, like my commute to work is you know you know is is full of potholes i mean it, 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 people will bring you their real problems and i mean but that's what makes it such a great job it's what makes it a hard job but uh, cuz i think all the problems in the city like they they land on your doorstep but what makes it a great job is there's no place in politics or public service where you have the chance to have just a real impact mm-hmm. in people's lives every day. So, where was the decision of you
0: saying, okay, I'm, I'm a lawyer by trade, I'm a senator? By parts of the month, right. part-time, Part time. I guess, to yeah. find out what, you're in session three months out of the year? Four, four or five months. Four months, okay. So you're a senator part-time, but right. also still a full-time lawyer, which is right. always really confusing. Mm-hmm. And then
1: uh, where was the decision to say, okay, I'm going to try my hand at running at mayor? So I didn't think about running until John Cooper got it, decided that he wasn't going to run again and that was what february was or so this late year? january early okay. february so and and that's because the job i do in the state senate is oftentimes playing defense and offense for the city you know especially this year we had legislation that was targeting nashville's airport convention center sports authority and so I, regardless of which mayor it's been over the last nine years, and there have been a few, it's been four mayors, but I talked to that office two or three times a week and you know, to do the job that Nashville's already elected me to do, I can't really be crossways with the, the city, yeah, yeah. you know, that mayor. So I didn't think about doing it until he he stepped down. But when he did, I think two things. One, I think that the city is at a crossroads about how it's gonna grow. Whether everybody's going to be part of that growth, whether we're going to be intentional in the way that we, uh, you know, ensure that our values direct our future, and then I think second, we're at a moment of almost of kind of unprecedented level of conflict between the state government and the city, right? I mean, we have the next mayor is in a unique position where you're because of the state the conflict with the state, Nashville, Nashville doesn't have. A, a member of Congress right now. It has three members of Congress, all of whom live an hour away. The next mayor is going to inherit a city that's has three pending lawsuits with the state of Tennessee, as well as numerous pieces of legislation that are targeting us. And if we can't figure out a way to normalize that relationship and navigate it, it's going to be a really complicated task for anybody who's going to be the next mayor. And I, I think there's no one who has the sort of depth of experience both working on the issues that are facing the city and the capacity to navigate both the city and state governments at the same time. But I think that's sort of a new job qualification at this point. Right, h- hands
0: down. And it's, it's been interesting to watch the conflict really pan out over the last six months. Right. So with that division right now, if you were elected mayor, what's the first thing you would do to try to resolve that relationship?
1: Well, look, I mean, I think there's a few different things that you would do really early. I mean, first I think it starts with relationships, like most things. And so I think the the, you know, the next mayor needs to like I would I would want to visit with the governor, with the two speakers and with a lot of the legislators who I've been serving with for the last several years. But I think you would also start by at probably appointing someone as a full-time staffer who's going to be paying attention to all of the places where the city and state government interact and which is a lot which is a lot of places the east bank is a great example of that The east bank's a great example i I mean there's almost no issue that we really talk about that doesn't have a state component Mm -hmm. i mean think of the most local issue you can like fixing potholes that's it's, fixing potholes on state roads is a state issue is a state issue and yeah. so if you want metro government to fix those potholes and get reimbursed that's going to require passing legislation through the general assembly mm-hmm. and uh, I, I mean i think that's something that people think of as a city issue but that is very much a state issue if you want to build transit you're going to have to be working hand in hand in glove with the state government and you know, so the the state is an obstacle that we don't need, and a partner we would prefer to have on almost every issue, and so uh, that you've got to be able to 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 do two things at once that feel contradictory, yeah, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think some people say, like, uh, I don't know, do we want a mayor who's going to fight back against the state, or a mayor who's going to make peace with the state? And the reality is that the next mayor has to be able to do both of those things at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think there's any candidate in this race and very few people in the city, frankly, who have as much experience as I do doing either of those things.
0: Yeah. And it's it's interesting because the city wants to have its own identity. But at the end of the day, we are in the middle of Tennessee. And well, so it's it's that balance. It's, it's trying to figure out, like, hey, what's best? for both parties in well, this situation. And,
1: and frankly, it's best for both parties for Nashville to have its own yes. identity. Yes. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, I mean, that, this is a dumb fight. Let's be very clear. I mean, there, it, I told somebody it's like getting in a fight with your spouse and burning down the garage to get even.
0: Like that's it a, that, that's a good It might make you feel analogy. good for a few yeah. minutes, but
1: at the end of the day, <laughs> you you know, it hasn't served the state's long-term interest if Nashville starts losing its identity. Right. I mean, the companies that are choosing to locate here, the people that are choosing to stay in Nashville or to, to move into Nashville, they're drawn to the cultural you know offerings that we have to the welcoming, inclusive community that we are. And I think if we lose those things. We lose what makes us special and I think lose the appeal to, you know, what's created the space for Nashville to drive, you know, an incredibly disproportionate share of the economic and cultural growth of the state in the last two decades oh h-
0: hands down so the last few months we've been asking this posing this question to artists and some business owners here on the podcast and the, the question is is nashville losing its branding speaking of its identity its branding of music city and a lot of artists are saying hey because of affordable housing i can't live in this city there's potential
1: that it's losing its branding. So how do you? Th- what do you think of that question? I'm so glad you're asking that question because I think it's one of the most important issues facing the city. The most dangerous thing for us is for Music City to become this cheap plastic Corporate. label yep. that we just slap on the side of beer cans and event signs and think that that makes us some sort of cultural space. Uh, you don't want it to be a cheap brand. It needs to be much more of an identity where our commitment to music and the arts and creativity and culture is part of our DNA, and is sort of manifested throughout the the city. And you're exactly right. When people can't afford to live here, it makes that very difficult. I mean, it, it, we've gotten to a place where you know, moving to moving to Nashville with a dollar and a dream as a songwriter, is sort of like that's only really possible in country music lyrics as opposed to yeah. in real life. Yep. Yeah. And well, because I think what was I think the statistic came out last week from
0: Smart Asset Nashville has the highest growing rent rates or something in the country.
1: Right. I mean, they're was, up, was, on, was, they're some, up was, over 100 yeah, percent in yeah. a decade. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, our current affordable housing strategy is keep on driving until you can afford something, which is both a really bad housing strategy as well as a terrible transportation strategy well
0: well, then it's also a terrible work for, workforce workforce right. strategy
1: and so it, it's not i mean the housing is the issue that comes up the most on the campaign trail and it comes up in a thousand different ways it comes up from small businesses who are trying to hire workers but they're seeing people who are leaving for jobs that pay less
0: you know, They're closer, closer to, to where they yeah. live because of the
1: less stress of right. yeah, travel. If you think about a lot of our problems when it comes to our public schools, it's recruiting, retaining teachers. When it comes to our police force, it's recruiting and retaining officers. And if you go and talk to the people who are doing those jobs, they'll tell you, I, I can't afford to live here. Right. And so, I mean, I think the way we think about going after those housing problems from one end of the county to the next and having and actually having a strategy to do so, that is going to be a huge project for the next mayor. Could you uh, give me a little insight into what your strategy is for that? Sure. I mean, I think fundamentally we have to have more housing. Yes. I mean, everybody would like for there to be some magic wand solution to just make housing less expensive. But when you have more people that want to live a place and you got places to live, it's going to put pre- price pressure on every part of the the housing market. And that's what we're seeing. Like we don't have enough Section 8 housing that's sort of traditionally defined affordable, but we don't have enough workforce. We don't have enough starter homes. We don't have the locations for seniors that want to downsize we don't have supportive housing for vulnerable populations and so I think there's a few things uh one I think we do have to have some intentional growth that is a little bit more vertical and dense and walkable and and ideally supported by transit uh because I mean first that that is actually what a lot of our People who are moving to town as young people or graduating from school—that is what they're looking for. It's what a lot of our retirees are looking for, and we're actually not meeting some of that demand. We're certainly not meeting that demand unless you can afford kind of luxury accommodations, right? Uh, so even then, if you can can afford it, doesn't right. mean they're available. Doesn't mean that they're available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so then I think we also have to, you know, along corridors think about how we're how we're creating dense a little bit more density as we go. That's supported by infrastructure, that's supported by, you know, that meets the demands of people. Now, I mean, Nashville is a really, so, I mean, there are only 20 cities in America that have more people than Nashville. But, but from a statistical,
0: like, area standpoint, we're in third or fourth in right. the country. We have, it's what, 534 square miles? Right. That's exactly like what I was going to say. It's a massive area. It's a massive area. I mean, it could take you an hour to drive across the county.
1: That's right. And so yeah. we don't have to have mid-rise, d- you know, density from one end of the county to the next. But we do have to be pretty intentional about having some more density in, in certain parts of the city. Just to accommodate the needs and demands of the population, I think. Second, we got to figure out a way to clean up, speed up, and uh, the the permitting inspecting process. It's taking too long. It's 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 far too difficult uh, for for people that are trying to build to go through that process, and that literally makes it harder for them to do the work. It and makes they it more, more expensive yeah. for yep. them, and then ultimately the end user. I think we also should be using taking advantage of the property tax freezes to ensure that people aren't getting pushed out of the neighborhoods they help build. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I think, but if you don't get the private sector into this, I mean, this is not a government program that gets you to the housing you need. The government's got to, going to have to be part of really driving those things that the market's not going to create. Like your government's got to be part of the support of housing probably has to initiate some of the work, you know, when you try to think about creating artistic districts, where we're really trying to drive affordable housing for creatives. But but I think that primarily you've got to figure out a way that it's people are making money by building more affordable housing.
0: And I think Metro Council, uh, they passed that law where it's the tax incentive. Uh, basically, right. if you're building a certain amount of your inventory, you get less on your property taxes, I think, over a 10-year period or something. That's I right. can't remember the exact dates. Uh, but that that's a really good incentive. So you mentioned the creative class. And uh, recently on your campaign, you came out with this new
1: strategy for the creative class. So break that down for me, and what does that look like? Sure. Well, I mean, I think that the the real point here is that you can't just assume that this is going to take care of itself. And uh, historically speaking, that's never been the case. There's always been some linkage between the leadership of the city, both philanthropic and government. And the development of the arts, and I think that, especially in a city that's dealing with housing issues, we've got to make sure that we're dealing with that. So, I mean, one, I think we—if Nashville ceases to be a live music city, then, then, we done. See it, then we're, we're done. We're done, right? Yeah. And so, part of it is creating sort of a, you know, like a, a music venue fund, so that we're really trying to incentivize that sort of work. I know, Take, uh, I know, Jeff Syracuse was very vocal about that right yeah. well i mean and he, you know i mean he's somebody who has experience in the in the industry that that does you know understand yeah. that that universe and i think you know knows the need for it um, i mean i think we we need to be finding ways that we're repurposing old spaces to turn them into creative spaces mm-hmm. we need to be increasingly just like we have historically tried to set aside part of our capital budget to fund public art we should be funding you know, it's trying to reach one percent of our of our of our annual budget to support arts throughout the city, mm-hmm. and I think that is an important thing to do. Part of it is we should bring bring back live on the green. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I that, don't I don't know why that went away. Uh, I, yeah. I mean that that one just uh, befuddles mm-hmm. me because uh, you know, especially when I wonder if it was like more of a logistical
0: issue I'm or of sure of security or, or funding. Yeah.
1: But I think it's so important that there are events that feel like they're ours as Mm -hmm. Nashvilleians. I mean, look, we know there's going to be, like, the NFL drafts and the NHL drafts and all these, like, sort of big deal events that bring in people from all over the country. We're largely fine with that because usually some of us enjoy at least one of those every year. But I think there need to be some of these, you know, sort of free events that are for us that bring us together as a community to celebrate arts, to celebrate music, and I think that Live on the Green is a great example of of that and we should we should do it. Uh, and then finally I think we've got to deal with, you know, the sort of parking issues just yep. for I mean, I know that sounds might sound like a small ball issue, but, but it when is it's not six, when it's sixty dollars for an when hour it's and a half. $50 places, for, yep. You know, to be there. I mean, that's when you're working for tips. Yep. <laughs> Largely, I mean, that that can be make the, mean the difference between making money that night and not between making rent and not. And so I think we've got to find ways that we're accommodating you know, the people who are making Nashville what it is as we go. And one other idea that's in that is, you know, I mean, I think that we have to be thoughtful, of not just about making sure that artists have affordable housing. But that we're providing the affordable spaces for people to do creative work yeah like how are we making it more possible to you know record uh, you know film scores how are how are we making it more possible to 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 for you know for artists and sculptors to have creative space or rehearsal space for for musicians and, that, and and i think that that is uh should be done sort of through districts if you will like where we really try to create hubs throughout the county where uh, the, where you're cre- kind of creating a natural center of gravity for artist communities to gather and form. Because I think anybody that really spends time with artists knows that, you know, it, it's actually ar- different artists from different, you know, modes and genres yeah, yeah. kind of coming together that then gives you the capacity for new creativity to mm-hmm. kind of emerge. And I think there's some really good
0: examples around Nashville, like The Forge. Right, uh, I think it's uh, create six one five. That's a brand new one off of. It's near Murfreesboro Pike. Right, uh, there's that one in East Nashville, right off of Main Street. So there, there's. I mean, these I think clubs. I think the
1: Buchanan Arts District is kind oh, of incredible. Like where yep. you've got Elephant Gallery and like there's several different creative spaces there. I mean, I think there that is the, you know, being a little bit intentional without making that, you know, sort of cookie cutter. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you want it to, to still reflect neighborhood, that neighborhood. And creative yep. influence of course but i think ways to, to try to foster that is it should be intentional
0: so speaking of neighborhoods uh the big one of the biggest pieces of conversation over the next four years for this next mayor is going to be the east bank this no is doubt. this is going to be i've talked to some real estate experts that have traveled around the world and they are comparing where nashville is to dubai and, wow. and, and and some of these guys are saying Nashville, like I, I literally heard a story this last week. Like people are coming here just to look at the land in the East Bank and there's nothing there yet. And, and that's a really good sign because it's going to be it's going to be a very heavy district, especially once PSE medals fully decides right. to get out because they
1: will. Right.
0: Um, so what's your thoughts on the East Bank and how if you win as win Merrill, uh, the Merrill election? what are your plans for the east bank i know the the, the housing and, and bringing all this stuff but like let's break that down a little bit more
1: look i mean i think that uh, the next mayor is going to have to spend a, a fair bit of time really focusing on the east bank and how it should be the sort of set of principles by which we grow everywhere yep. really yeah i mean and and i hope that that means good, right? Yeah. Like that needs to be because we're being intentional about it. That how we're incorporating transit, walkability, affordability, green space, and genuine community building into yeah. into the place.
0: Because and because and what you do in the East Bank is going to affect the city of Nashville going for the next two hundred years or more. City of Nashville
1: more. for a long time. Yeah. And you don't want that to be sort of a continuation where of. You know, you don't want just the the Broadway Entertainment District to spill over into East Nashville and have. We're not just trying to create additional pedal tavern stops. Yep. Uh, I think. So one of the things that's most important to me is that we're actually building a real community, one that is intergenerational and has different, you know, has different incomes that people that are coming together like this is that sort of opportunity and i think we that's probably the only way it works i don't i don't want to just see too much of our downtown space be for you know 20 somethings who just moved in and retirees like you need people to be able to live there in for longer time periods and so, so i think the way that you actually the focus on having distinct neighborhoods, you know, distinct feeling that mm-hmm. neighborhoods over there matters. I think the way that we build transit in, into the the bones of the East Bank is a huge both opportunity and responsibility for the next mayor. You know, I mean, one of the challenges that we have on transit is, the you know, a lot of our downtown streetscape really comes from the time when, like, Andrew Jackson was practicing law yep. and people were riding around on horses. Yep. So we don't have the, the sort of you know scale of street that makes transit the you know making street level transit isn't easy here right yeah now a good example of
0: this i picked up some clients at the four seasons this last weekend and i'm like i got stuck there on Demumbrian, and i'm like they the four seasons literally should just move their building 10 feet back All right? so they could have had an additional lane here for turning, and what's crazy, and I like I'm complaining about this, but like I waited ten minutes to turn into the Four Seasons, and I'm like, this should not be happening on this like this main sense. corridor in, right. in a street going to like a, a a predominant hotel here. So it's just
1: yeah, it's super no, and I th- I, but I think that's uh, you know, but but you know when you're starting from the parking lots of the East Bank, I mean, you really do get to ensure that you're building. You know, dedicated lane transit into that. That you're building pedestrian infrastructure into that, and I think that's a really important thing for the city. Because, uh, and then I think building affordability into it, so it actually feels more like a Wrigleyville. And yeah, I mean, if it, I think the less it feels like a sort of luxury enclave over there, the better. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously there's going to be some yep. some high end, uh, you know, places. That, Probably the Travel America site. Right. Yeah but but I, but that doesn't need to be the whole, the entirety of it. And I'll tell you the other thing that I don't think has gotten as much attention is it's this huge opportunity for us to reclaim the river. Right? I mean the river is really well, I mean it it's, it's why found. the city's here. Yes. And I mean being a transportation hub both on the river and the railroads is how the city grew originally, right? And so being able to reclaim that river as a public space and making it a public asset for members of the community that is something that i think is a long overdue need for the city and i think that uh that development especially with the you know sort of green space envisioned going in, into whatever the tight the, you know the the, the stadium base does create that opportunity for us to create some some green space commons for nashville residents some
0: water taxi right and And, yeah and
1: and i mean i think the way that i I mean we all have there's been a lot of talk about like the public investment but when there's public investment it needs to be a public asset Mm -hmm. and i mean i think that the next mayor's real responsibility is to ensure that this is something that we can be proud of and that it's an asset to the members of our community So speaking of public assets, uh, you
0: have the Nashville Fairground Speedway, right? That is technically a public asset, and it's in the charter uh, of the city of Nashville that Nashville needs to take care of this thing. And they, the city, has failed at taking care of that racetrack. So, what's your thoughts on the racetrack, and what would you do to help fix it if you could?
1: Yeah, I think that that is something that we, you know, the the current council has been considering a plan and doesn't look like they're going to make progress on that. Yep. Uh, it looks like that's going to be kicked over to the, to the next term. And that's what it seems to be doing every single term. Right. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, I am, uh, I am loath to see a national taxpayers, uh, take on a new obligation when it comes to, to financing a, a sports venue yeah, right yeah. now. I mean, I think that... I think we have fatigue. We have stadium fatigue. I think we fatigue. have serious fatigue mm-hmm. until you actually... I mean, I think... Uh, somebody mentioned, you know, like, Major League Baseball. To me. I was like, I think a lot of people in Nashville want to see us invest in some little league fields before yeah, yeah. we start talking about another big league sport.
0: The the thing that's interesting about the Nashville Stars is, according to their organization,
1: it's going to be completely privately funded. And and that... that is a beautiful thing. Yes. People that want to, want to talk about how you're going to f- privately finance and it's not going to, not going to be coming, you know, not going to require taxpayers being a backstop. I think those are conversations that we're eager to have as oh, a yeah. city right now. And, but, but I, but I don't, th- but you know, so, but I think that uh, we, we got to be very careful when it comes to Nashville taxpayer money and ensuring that we're really focusing on, you know, consolidating, making sure that this is a great place to live, mm-hmm in order to, you know, before we start thinking about whatever, th- you yeah. know, those other big projects down the road. And so that's sort of my instinctual pose as it, as it comes to the racetrack. I mean, look, I'm not, I mean, I grew up, in, you know, I'm from Dyersburg, Tennessee, grew up wishing that I was related to Cale Yarbrough. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So, like, I mean, I like racing, but like I, but I don't know that that we need to be jumping, f- you know, feet first into a huge construction project. Yeah, yeah. So, um but especially because there's so many construction
0: projects in town
1: that's right yeah but i think we i think the next mayor's gonna have to figure out a way to to navigate that and figure out what the future of that location is that's that's really consistent with what nashville's you know voted on in the charter and it might mean that we have to sort of put competing visions of of this in front of the voters yeah yeah sort of think through like what choice are we willing to make as a city yep uh, so last
0: question for me is, uh, crime has been rising dramatically over the last couple of weeks. It seems like, right. uh, especially in surrounding counties and in Nashville counties. So if you were elected mayor, what's one thing that you would do to reduce crime in the city? So I, that's hard. Like, that's a really hard question because like you can't because you can't control their people but
1: well there's uh, there's certainly no magic wand and uh, uh so i mean i think there are a few things that you would want to do one we know that a lot of our crime is being driven by guns right now or like the crime is scaring people every day is with the gunshots <laughs> and, but there's and, uh, there's drug trade there's well, uh, human trafficking i was gonna get yeah. yeah i mean but but i but i do think that the the next mayor should you know, try to coordinate our approach to gun violence across city agencies from the mayor's office. I mean, and that involves places that from the Metro police obviously play a significant role, but most, most of us don't define our safety by like how fast crimes are responded to in our neighborhood. We don't really want the crimes to happen in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I think we do have to have a, a well-trained, fully staffed, well-compensated and accountable police force, but I think we also have to pay a lot of attention to the, the built environment. Like, I mean, it turns out that uh, improving the quality of street lighting in a location can reduce overnight crime in a community. Well,
0: even even having, um, I, I met with a guy, his name's Reggie, um, I can't remember his last name. Uh, he, he started an urban farm in Antioch. Right. Uh, you may have met Reggie. And he started an urban farm, I think it was on 2.5 acres or something like that and in that community crime has gone down uh, like close to 35% over the last 2 years because people have a purpose of this going to this urban garden and
1: working in that environment that's right i mean when you create when you're intentional about the way you create public spaces intentional about the way that you that you address neglect whether that's broken sidewalks or vacant lots or kind of blighted portions of the community you actually can see improvement and that's what you're trying to really go after. If you're trying to get to the root cause, like you have to deal with where opportunity has been abandoned when you, when you haven't really invested in kids on the front end in our, you know, that are, that are coming through our, through the system. But I, mean, I think that effective interventions in juvenile court is probably the most important thing you do from a long-term safety. But, but I mean, I, you know, I think you always want to have like, the one clean solution, but you know, we're, we're, we're a big city. There's a lot of complicated issues, and a lot of this is the day-to-day work that you're doing, making sure that you're dealing effectively with juveniles who are coming in our system, thinking about you know, people who are being released and how you're working through reentry to make sure that they find successful paths. Into society, back into society, and not back into crime. I mean, I think the way that you're really thinking through that and having the kind of ecosystem of governmental systems, faith communities, nonprofits all working together along the same, the two, towards the same end, that is how you make a big difference in the longer run.
0: Yeah, absolutely, uh, Jeff. Where can people learn more about your campaign? And
1: uh, what's your, I know you're not supposed to say this, but what's your favorite polling station in town? <laughs> Well, I mean, look. The my favorite polling station. Uh, uh, my favorite polling station is my personal precinct because it's my kids' ele- my ch- child's yeah, elementary yeah. school. So that's the one. But uh, uh, I don't have a favorite early voting location. I want you <laughs> to go to all twelve yeah. of those, <laughs> and I'll try to be at I'm I'm going to be at every one of them in the next next you know next. Se- Does between early now and early, Saturday so. early, yeah early voting stops a couple of days beforehand. Early right? voting is open until Saturday of this Saturday. week. Okay. And then, then, you have to go to your precinct if you're voting on August 3rd. And so, I, I ask that everybody get out and vote. I would love to, love to ask you to vote for me. But even if you don't vote for me, please go out and, and take part in in choosing the district council people, at large council people, vice mayor, and mayor. Which that one, the at large council people,
0: I looked at when I went to go vote. I'm like. Twenty-five people. I don't even. It's a daunting <laughs> list. It is a very daunting I mean, list. It's more daunting than the mayor. mayor but I'll list. tell you what. I mean. Here,
1: here's the the best thing is that uh, everybody always complains about. Oh, I hate it when we have to choose the least two evils in election. It turns out it's far harder for people when there's multiple people that they like. Yeah, yeah. And this, I think, race both at the mayoral level and the council at large level. There's a lot of candidates that people like, and that's because. Why wouldn't you want to be part of this city? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to be part of building this city's future? And I think there's been a lot of doom and gloom and pessimism out there on the campaign trail. And that, to me, is something that we should reject as a city. I mean, yeah, do we have problems? Of course we do. Or Like, am I frustrated by traffic? Yes, I drive in Nashville. Of course I'm frustrated by it. But we've got a better set of problems and a better set of assets than almost any other city in America, and it's an exciting time. And I think the way that you're seeing people who want to be part of governing the city and its future shows that. To be yeah, honest, yeah. so you can learn more about my campaign at at jeffyarbro.com. You can follow me on on I'm on the socials from I guess I don't know tw- the Twitters, Twitters Yarbro, <laughs> Instagrams, Jeff yeah. Yarbro, Threads, Jeff Yarbro. So. Uh, Or you can just call my cell phone, 615-496-9851. Well, Jeff, thank you so much
0: for coming on to the show. Uh, Head over to Nashville Daily Podcast to learn more about Jeff and what he's doing for the city. And then visit his website at jeffyarborough.com. And thank you guys for watching the Nashville Daily Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also, head over to our Instagram, Nashville Daily Podcast, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Nashville Daily Podcast. If you want to learn more, head to NashvilleDailyPodcast.com.
1: You can also follow us on social media at Explore.Nash on Instagram, Nashville Daily Podcast on YouTube, and Explore.Nash on YouTube as well.
0: The Nashville Daily Podcast is an Explore LLC production. Copyright 2023.